poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And today is a tactical day, which means I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Jonathan Chai. How are you doing, sir? Doing good. Got a, a pre-flop-focused episode for for all the listeners and viewers today. It's probably, I don't know if we've ever had a had an episode that was like super dedicated to, to pre-flop, but um, there's going to be pretty much no post-flop decisions in either of these hands, but they're kind of tricky and weird pre-flop spots that I rarely, rarely get in. Okay. All right. So pre-flop themed episode, which is kind of ironic considering, you know, CPG's like two flagship courses are mm. pre-flop bootcamp and live cash pre-flop bootcamp right now. Um, so I guess it's typically makes for a short tactical Tuesday when. Yeah. Yeah. This will probably, I mean, who knows? We, we say that sometimes and we go on for like 27 minutes about one street and one hand that we never expect to talk about, but yeah, it's perfect. Maybe you can give me some insight into how to play these spots better. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I, I think too, that a lot of the hands that we, we share on tactical Tuesday are we share them because they're, you know, just interesting hands. They're tricky spots, interesting hands. I would say that in general, like the, the most of your win rates made up, but not of the, the trickiest hands it's made up of, you know, the, the somewhat like trivial seeming decisions that are made before the flop or, you know, C-bet sizing, um, or, you know, just raising at some point and villain just like folds on the turn or the flop, uh, or facing a raise and folding the flop. Right. Like, and I think it's just really important to emphasize that like those, those little bitty decisions are, are really, what ultimately make up the, the bulk of your win rate as as a poker player. And so while, you know, they're they're not the greatest of, of hands to break down because uh, I guess we could do a series of like Tactical Tuesday YouTube shorts or <laughs> Instagram reels or TikToks um, type, type scenarios. But in, in general, they don't make for, you know, long, robust, interesting conversations. However, that, that doesn't mean that they're not important. That doesn't mean they're they're not valuable to think about. So with that, out of the way, let's dive in and see what's going on in these these preflop hands. Uh, sure. I don't really know what's going to happen this first one, as the the viewers on YouTube can see. You have a king and a seven of different suits in the small blind, so yeah, part, you might part, be disappointed. Part. I actually don't even v pip this hand, but this hand is uh just wanted to show this hand so that I can point out the villain that I'm playing against in the next hand. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So we're we're setting up this hand's yeah. used as a setup for hand number two. Exactly. Um, so looks like there's a low jack open to 2.5 big. So $25, the hijack three bets to 80. John, you, you fold pre with your King seven shocking development there. Um, the big blind cold calls, which not really a thing. Um, but it should be especially terrifying considering that low jack is the tightest opening position and hijack is the, the, the hijack three bet is like, you know, going to be the, one of the tightest three bet positions. Um, and now low Jack cold four bets. So 
<laughs> Lojack has a good hand. Um, I think that's that's pretty clear. Yeah, it's not a cold four. It's just a regular old yeah. four bet. Yeah. It seems like a cold four. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. It's like yeah. given all the stuff that's yeah. happened so far, it's like <laughs> yeah, they four bet, and they don't four bet small either. They four bet the three hundred, which is actually quite big. You know that that that's on the but actually above the threshold of four bet sizes that is taught in um pre-flop boot camp and live cash pre-flop boot camp so yeah i think that's actually like the first the first indicator right like this is so big that i would expect most decent and strong regs in the pool to just be jamming pre-flop instead of using this size if they were to four bet in this situation and probably just play like a jam fold strategy and not like well, I want to four bet. What size should I four bet to? Oh my God. It has to be like such a huge portion of everyone's stacks that it's, you know, it almost feels like I'm never folding after four betting to this size. Um, I don't actually so mind it with the cold caller in there. Like they, they can make an adjustment when the big mm -hmm. blind cold calls to just, yeah. to, to instead, instead of jamming, like I think jamming actually leaves money on the table because like there are hands that the big blind's going to cold call with that would call the four bet, but not call a jam, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. maybe pocket sevens or something, or yeah, it just goes call, call, right, right. Or it just goes, you know, hijack folds after low jack four bets and the big blind calls the, the 30 yeah. oh, big blinds. Right. And yeah, I think yeah. that that's like, that, that's a primo opportunity. I, I actually, yeah, I, I would, I disagree that I, I think like, I think low jack jamming would probably just not be good. Like, I just think uh -oh. it's, it's probably not great. Okay. It's not going to be a great setup for the next hand. Then I thought this. I thought this size was like just the fact that they four bet here instead of jamming, and they picked this really really big size um, was something to read into. Um, so I guess we're our opinions are going to going to diverge pretty early on. I mean, lots of things you you typically don't do, but then you do do when somebody does something like cold. Okay, calls let me ask you. Let me let me ask line. you a follow up question then. Would you like this four bet size if? Under the gun is planning on four bet folding. No. Okay. Huh. All right. Well, maybe we maybe we're not diver as diver divergent as as I thought we were because uh he four bets to three hundred and MP jams, mm -hmm. which again is like this is insanely insanely strong. Uh, the big blind folds to the jam, so there we go. We have a data point that the big blind at least probably would have folded to the jam. <laughs> um. And then low jack folds. Let's see what they had. Uh, so low jack had the ace 10 off, um, which pretty uh, ambitious, I guess we'll say, to, to four bet with the ace 10 off. I think that's just ambitious is the wrong word. This is just a punt. Um, so low jack had ace 10 off, hijack had kings uh, just out of merriment. Um, the big blind had the seven, five of hearts just, just for the lulls. Um, so yeah, like, uh, I, after everything that I said, I, I think 300 is fine. However, with, with this exact hand, I, I think it's probably just, I don't know. It, it's just bad. I think it's, yeah, I think, bad. uh, I, I think like I was, my opinion was too tainted by the fact that I knew he was going to three, four bet to the size and fold. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so, okay. So I see this happen. Um, obviously I, I don't know that uh under the gun had ace 10 or or sure. that mp had kings um when i'm going into my hand i just see that this guy four bet to some crazy size and then actually folded uh both things were a little bit surprising to me but kind of enough to like 
pique my interest, maybe give this guy some some sort of tag. I don't know exactly what he is. Whale, bad reg, fish could be could and be I, anything. I think you could probably discern that MP has like kings or aces. Or aces. Well, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> MP has a strong hand. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that one's pretty clear. Um, that's not yeah. The the low jack, yeah. That's uh, like again, you're you're targeting the cold call and the big blind with the bigger than normal four bet, um, mm -hmm. which just means that you you know you're doing it exploitatively and you're doing it so that you're you're pushing a lot of equity versus the big blind when they fold, and so you're just going to do it exclusively with like really strong hands. Yep. Um. All right, so that's a setup for this hand where you have two nines, the Phil Hellmuth special. Um, so we have, yeah, you can break down the action here. And yeah, under the gun, reg opens to $25, MP fish, starting off with about 60 big blinds, flats to 25. Um, I'm pretty sure we have a fish on the button. This is the guy who cold called the three bet with seven yep. five of hearts. So I'm doing whatever I can to get in there with all these, all these, fine poker players yeah. <laughs> and uh so i call button calls too i believe and the guy who four bet to 30 big blinds last hands decides to squeeze here to 20 big blinds 200 dollars, so it's gone 25 call 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 200 big blind folds i think everyone folds around to me okay trixie trixie spot yeah so Essentially, you overcalled with nines from the cutoff, facing a low jack open and a high jack flat. Um, mm -hmm. And the rationale there just makes a lot of sense, right? Like if you three bet, you run the risk of getting four bet by low jack, and that's just like a very terrible situation. The button is a weak player, so you want to invite them to the party. Um, plus, if somebody does happen to squeeze, then you have a hand that plays quite well as like an IP call. Uh, IP flat. Um, however, against this specific villain who squeezed at 300 and then folded, um, just I imagine your thought or inclination is that their squeeze frequency is probably just too far out of whack. Um, yeah. And I think they're going to have a very high squeeze and then fold rate. Sure. Right. And even like the, the reality is like you have a good hand. Right, like the, the this is like you know the sixth best best hand in hold'em. Uh, we we can call it like eighth or so if you add in like aces ace, ace king and ace king suited. But like it, it's one of the the best hands that that you can have. Like mm -hmm. it just and all, all it really takes is villain to be jamming like a or uh, squeezing with like ace jack off, just ace do suited some sort of like random offsuit broadways. I mean, it doesn't take very, very much for this to just be like a slam dunk, easy mode rip um, facing the squeeze. So, gotcha. So, let me just like try to go back to something that you said earlier on. So, like, first thing that you said was kind of versus like a normal opponent. Were you kind of implying that you'd do a little bit more flatting here with nines or maybe just pure flat versus a. It depends. Uh, you know, there, there's so many different like things that can happen. So, like, if they squeeze to like 140 or 150, right? And, mm -hmm. and then like low jack could call, um, hijack could call. Like the, the smaller it is, like the, the button could call too. And you I, have... I guess I was asking in this specific scenario, like let's just assume we didn't know anything about the small blind. We hadn't seen that that firsthand before. Mm -hmm. how, how Would you 
would you just be flatting the spot with nines or would you still be still be jamming it's a hard question to ask because like i think that that we're using previous information to help make this decision we're actually using like in-game information to make the decision to flat nines in the first place so i mean I don't know. Like, I guess okay. the, the reality is, I'm not exactly sure what I would do. Yeah. If we, I, had, I guess like, like another no way to ask what I was, what I was trying to ask was like, are you only jamming nines here because of what we know, um, about the small blind it previously? It doesn't hurt. And, yeah. I, I'm not sure, but it, it certainly doesn't hurt that okay. that we have that previous information, yeah, yeah. um, from this same villain that like that, you know, four bet to a two big size and then just folded to the to the jam, mm. um. So yeah, like, and the size, the size of it's going to have an impact as well. Right. Like, I think like if it's a little bit smaller then maybe flatting goes up in value, especially with the button who can, you know, overcall. And I think playing it three ways is going to be a pretty good spot. Um, I, you know, I think you're definitely going to turn a profit playing the, the spot three ways, multi-way with, with the button in the mix. Um, mm -hmm. but once they size up, it makes it less likely that, you know, the, the button calls and then, you know, we're playing, uh, uh, in a scenario that, that I think is like much worse than, than it could have been. But yeah, as it is, I think it's just a pretty, pretty slam dunk jam with nines. Um, if they happen to have one of the bigger pairs and they happen to mm. have one of the bigger pairs, but. So I jam and button folds and the small blind snaps probably sub three second call i figure wow he just has one of the bigger pairs how how could this happen yeah <laughs> yep so they squeezed the 200 and then called off for their stack for another 800 more um flop is king seven deuce turns a three I feel like we just can't be doing well versus the snapping range, right? On this run out. I wouldn't think. Come on, ace queen, I guess. Ace queen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and the reveal is Jack 10 of clubs, which Yeah, I, th this is somebody that really really loves hands preflop. Like they're they're like that friend that just, you know, falls in love with every every person that they meet in five minutes like this this villain like man the jack 10 of clubs let's go let's just put in put in 100 bigs I, i'm in love oh, let's, man. let's spend our it life hurt. together would have hurt to lose this flip <laughs> it's it's funny again another like roller coaster of emotions before show you know as soon as he snaps he snaps right and i'm like oh my god like so unlucky just as queens plus then you see jack 10 you're like wow great i'm flipping this is so much better than where i thought i was 2.5 seconds ago and then you're like, oh my god, how am I flipping in this spot? <laughs> well, how are you flipping this not right. king, right? Like, it's not <laughs> yeah, an yeah, actual yeah. good hand. How are you flipping with Jack 10 of clubs? Right, right. Um, well, with all this said, I think this means pretty good things as it relates to like villain squeezing and then snapping it off with like eights through sixes, probably. Yeah, like sure. a, they're, yeah. they're definitely gonna gonna have those hands in there. So yeah, your jam just has to make money um, versus this villain strategy. But, you know, <laughs> whew, they they almost came through um, with their jack ten of clubs, but alas, fell short by not flopping any draw or any pair. 
<laughs> the King yeah. Seven Deuce Three Five run out for for the podcast listeners. No Jack, no Ten, no nothing, no draw, just a pair draw that they whiffed. And there you go. So, fifteen minutes on a preflop decision. Maybe, maybe we can just talk about you know <laughs> folding versus three bets pre sometime. Uh, that'll that'll be a whole tactical Tuesday episode, I guess. Coming up after the break, we've got more preflop decisions for you. So stick around, and that's it. I have no I have no great segue for no for plug. the break this time. No plug. Just stick around and get bedazzled by preflop scenarios. The decision to enter a hand is fundamental to poker strategy. Too tight and they know what you have. Too loose, and you're easy to run over. Preflop Bootcamp from Chasing Poker Greatness is a comprehensive guide to locking down your preflop game and creating true range advantage. Eight days of guided training, over 60 optimal ranges, and access to a dedicated community of players that will push your preflop game from a place of weakness to your greatest strength. Go to chasingpokergreatness.com slash bootcamp. Available now. In a world where a fish dog bets the flop and you don't know what to do, one man Coach Brad Wilson. has a surefire plan to neutralize flop leads and rip that dunk to shreds. Nuffle. Available now. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash Nuffle. Rated R. 100 NL player, former Sergeant Elijah Shears. Before I got Nuffle, I had run into a lot of dock bets. And I think once you play a certain amount of hands, you know there's something wrong with our opponent's strategies, but you don't know how to play to maximize CP against it. And it's very frustrating. I looked at the document and I couldn't believe that I paid money for it. I actually doubted that it could provide value because it was so brief. But since then, it's repaid me just over and over and over again. And it's one of the most consistent money makers built into my strategy that sheds light on just how bad your opponents are. And it took me 20 minutes to perfect it, and it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm speechless, it's just that good. The simplicity of it is part of it being a masterpiece. <laughs> Nuffle, go to chasingpokergreatness.com slash courses. All right, so here we are, pre-flop land. Once again, in this episode of Tactical Tuesday, we only have one hand for you after the break. So let's make it a doozy. What do you say, John? Yeah. So this, this hand starts with under the gun. Uh, opening to... 50. $50. Five big blinds. Um, not only is this just big in just big, but it's really big for this guy because under the gun, as you might have guessed, is a fish who has many, many opening sizes. He has limp, he has 3x, and the occasional 5x, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. So I would expect this hand to be stronger than probably just be this range to be comprised of like the strongest hands, given that he has three opening sizes preflop. And I think the easiest assumption to make until proven otherwise is that they just size linearly with the, with the strength of their hand. Um, 
Yeah. So I mean, it's that, a good that's what I'm going to go with here. Yeah. It's a good theory. Um, who knows? Maybe they're just, they, they just want to play, play Jack 10 suit really badly. Yeah. $50 <laughs> uh, hand preflop instead of a, a $20 hand. Let's see. It's, you know, I mean, again, like when we expect poker to be played in like this kind of predictable fashion where people raise with a very specific range from various positions and use very specific sizes or a spectrum of like two big blinds to 2.5 big blinds. Um, and the reality is that in the wild, people just do what the hell they want, right? Like this is a no limit Texas Hold'em. You, you can, you have almost infinite ways to play hands and infinite ways of, you know, just structuring your bet sizes and your lines and just stringing them all together. So you really have to be able to think dynamically and really think critically and try to discern what's going on here when facing a, you know, five X open, for instance, and you have Queens in the big blind. I mean, I, I, let me ask you this. Like, are you even happy that like you get Queens in the big blind, right? And you're like, ah, oh, sweet. And then you see the five X open. And then how do you feel? I don't know how to feel. <laughs> I really yeah. just don't know how to feel because I'm like, well, this guy has a really good hand, which is pretty good news when I have queens. But is his hand so good that it's not good news when I have queens? Right, right. Yeah, you feel much better with kings and you feel much worse with jacks. <laughs> okay, here's another question. If 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 this guy opens to 5x and someone three bets before the action gets to me, a rag three bets, do you, are you just folding queens? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't, even, <laughs> okay. I don't even want to think about it because it's <laughs> you don't want to tell the world but... that there are situations where you fold queens i mean the, the, there are technically supposed to be situations where you fold queens <laughs> i mean it it's going to depend on like where the reg is i guess like hijack reg oh my god like low jack versus hijack oh i don't even know i don't know john what do um, you i mean no one's three bed and we still don't know what to do like yeah do I three bet? Do I just flat the fifty and like basically just try to set mine and not not get you, stacked on I think a you have low to three low bet? Um, okay. I, I just think the hand's gonna play much better as a three bet than a flat because yeah, just it, I, I I just think like the the value there there's still value to be had here. Um, I don't know what to do versus like a rip. You may want to fold versus like a a four. I would a, fold a versus a rip. Jam. So right, so so you still have an out if they jam, and if you would fold versus the jam, then that kind of means that like you're anticipating that they put a lot of their higher equity hands in their jamming range, which means that like when they call that path post flop, like you have an edge and you're pushing equity versus their calling range. So you know, I think that like when you three bet, you open up two paths: one where they jam a lot of their highest equity hands, and then you can fold. Two, they flat with more of their lower equity hands and you're feeling pretty good about your situation. So like for all those reasons, I, I think three betting is better than flatting because when you when you just flat, you still don't really know um, what's going on. You're just kind of hoping. Yeah. Interestingly, so I do three bet and none of the scenarios that you were planning for happen. Well, they just click it. Oh, oh, come on. <laughs> well, 
that is a that is a thing that could happen. And now I'm feeling much, 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 much worse about your your place in the world right now. Almost feels worse than when they jam, right? You're like, wow, this is <laughs> no jamming feels. <laughs> yeah, worse. you might have a skin like worse. jamming feels worse. Um, but they click it to two fifty. So they the action was fifty, one fifty, two fifty. Um, I think when they click it, it is it, it's not great, but if you flop a set and stack them, you're getting like 10 to one. Um, so it's like really, really close as to like whether you can, you're essentially like set mining here. That's that's all I'm thinking about here, right? Is like, am I getting the right price to set mine yeah. for an extra hundred dollars? I think so. Um, yeah. I, I think, and to like, you're getting the right price and you just want to take the opportunity <laughs> um, while you can. Hey, maybe I can flop an open ender, you know, and, and, and yeah. check call there. Gut, gut shot plus plus an overpair, yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah, doesn't need to be a set. Yeah, I'm sure they'll just bet fifty dollars on every street. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this this never happens, right? You never peel the you never peel the extra hundred and actually get this flop. You just get like the you usually get like the eight four deuce flop check they jam and you're like, am I gonna make a bad call here? Yeah, that's, that sound of ecstasy was the sound of John just flopping top set on queen four deuce rainbow. Um, SPR's a little bit over one, uh, 505 in the pot. They got 629 and life is good. <laughs> they just, bet uh, pot. <laughs> yeah, just, it's just, this is just too, too much. I can't yeah. handle it. Yeah. They bet pot on the flop, leaving themselves with 122 behind. Um, good luck. Maybe I should trap. <laughs> <laughs> good luck, villain. Uh, turn tray, which that's a pretty sweaty turn. Uh, River 10. So nothing and villain. Shows the kings. So all that, I, everything I said about them jamming preflop, uh, I guess they also take some of their highest equity hands and stick it in their min click uh, four bet range as well. So yeah, I think um, way to go. Way to, way to flop top set, I, I guess. Gift that's, from God on the flop. Yeah, gift from the poker gods. Yeah, you deserve it. I don't know why, but... I'm just going to imagine that you've done something to appease them in some way that yeah, yeah. means that, that you deserve to flop top set here. I fold queens every time I get jammed on in this spot. So the gods were like, you know what? When you peel the click, we should, we should reward you for your, for your discipline. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is your reward for typically being such a little baby. <laughs> All right. Well, well, I'll be a baby when they have kings. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I agree. Good show. Good stuff. That's all I got for you. See you next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community. Book a coaching session or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast. Are you a lone wolf searching for the ultimate pack? The CPG Wolf Program is a close-knit brotherhood hell-bent on one thing only, chasing poker greatness. 
powered by bleeding edge wolf strats and led by Coach Brad and his lieutenants, CPG wolves are systematically prepared for almost any spot they'll encounter on the green felt. If you want to plug into an elite team and have a step-by-step -step game plan to realize your full poker potential, you can apply at cpgwolves.com. Space is limited, and the pack is only as strong as its weakest member. So only the hungriest, grittiest, and most driven will be accepted into the program. Applications are open at cpgwolves.com.